0: Today on Happy Sad Confused, director James Wan from Saw and The Conjuring to Fast 7 and now Aquaman. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy Sad Confused. It's another one of those great filmmakers I love welcoming to the show today and a first time Happy Sad Confused guest. So thrilled to have uh, the very talented James Wan on this episode of Happy Sad Confused. He's got a huge honking movie coming out in about a week. It is Aquaman. You will not be able to get away from it. It is the latest entry in the DC universe starring none other than Jason Momoa and Amber Heard and Willem Dafoe and Patrick Wilson and Nicole Kidman and uh, James Wan at the helm. Quite an opportunity for James, but he is, he's earned it. Man, if you look at his resume... This guy has has made a lot of money for some studios, and he's entertained many, many audience members thanks to films like Saw, Insidious, The Conjuring, and Fast 7. And now uh, he finally gets to direct his own superhero film. He's a guy who, who loves superheroes, who loves comic books, and has been eyeing this for a while, and finally got uh, a pretty cool opportunity in Aquaman. And, and he'll explain why, but, you know, to kind of tease it out a little bit, he, he was excited to kind of create his own world, to do the kind of Star Wars, Lord of the Rings thing, which uh, a property like Aquaman can afford a director to world build. Uh, and he did a, a really great job. I have to say, um, I was very impressed by the filmmaking uh, behind this one. It is audacious filmmaking. It is bold filmmaking. It is not a lazy comic book movie. It is an ambitious one. Uh, and I think, I know from like a lot of fellow, you know, press people, the the early word on it is very good. People enjoy it. I enjoyed it. It has a good sense of humor, cool action. Uh, I think it's going to do well. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Uh, and I think you're also going to enjoy this conversation. I think, you know, you guys know how much I love geeking out with filmmakers and James is certainly, uh, Just a big old geek like myself and loves talking movies and has the same reference points and uh, really just enjoy talking about comic book movies and filmmakers that have influenced him. Uh, And his path is very interesting path. Malaysian born, raised in Australia, and then came up through kind of the festivals like Saw was a festival movie debuted at Sundance and it changed the course of his his life. And suddenly he was the big horror guy. And then it took him years to get over that and do stuff that was not horror and then came came something like The Conjuring which changed him even though it was horror it was a different kind of horror and then came Fast 7 which sadly, was probably one of the more difficult productions that will ever happen, uh, thanks to the the very sad and untimely death of, of Paul Walker in the middle of the production. Um, James uh, is very open and heartfelt in talking about sort of the difficulties of that production and how it tested him, uh, and then, of course, coming out the other side to direct a film like Aquaman, which uh, I know he's very proud of. And uh, it, this is just a good kind of um, all-encompassing conversation with, as I said, a... a, a Died in the wool lover of film, who uh, has been just pushing himself in different genres in a very interesting way. So, uh, and he's also just a great spirit. You'll, you'll, you'll sense that infectious enthusiasm from him right from the start. So I know you guys are going to enjoy this conversation. Director James Wan on this episode of Happy Say Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy Say Confused. Let other friends, family, foes, any other F word you can think of know about this show, Uh, spread the good word. Uh, And in the meanwhile, enjoy this chat with James Wan. Very pleased to be welcomed by Mr. James Wan in my in my New York office. Uh, thanks for stopping by, man. Thanks for having me in here. This is a really cool office. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah. So you're at the end of the New York leg of this uh, insane. It's like you're like a rock star on tour, it like traveling kinda. the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah you, pretty are much. Are That's are a good way to sum it up. Are you fueled a little bit by the good energy at every pit stop? Because, uh, it, the, as you well know. Uh, there are good vibes around this movie. People are really receiving it well.
1: Um, yeah, people seem to be enjoying it, and uh, and you know, I mean, I, I kind of the movie hasn't come out yet, so right. I kind of I take it in strides and I try to you know take everything uh, you know with a grain of salt, and uh, and we'll see what happens. But um, but so far, I think it's uh, you know people are digging it.
0: Yeah, well, I'll add so, my voice to the chorus. I was I, I I greatly enjoyed it. It's a it's a wild ride. It's a, it's such a I mean we'll talk all about this, but it's so audacious it's big it's uh funny it's got a lot of good adjectives i can assign to this one so congratulations man you should feel good thank you um so let's go back a little bit first because i'm curious i mean knowing what i do about you a little bit um i have a feeling doing a comic book movie like this was probably something potentially on the bucket list at some point yeah no
1: definitely um you know Speaking of bucket list, that this movie actually checked off a lot of bucket list. <laughs> uh, what are the other items? items? <laughs> well, I, um, you know, I d- definitely, you know, um, to be able to sort of tackle a comic book movie was, uh, you know, a, it was a dream. I'm sure. Um, I've, I've wanted to make a comic movie for the longest part so definitely um, this film allows allowed me to do that you know and to uh, do it with a really interesting character as well one that's never really been done on the big screen before yeah. or, or, or anything on the small screen for that matter um, and the other thing this movie allowed me to do is a world creation film. I really, really wanted to, uh, for the longest part, make a world creation film, uh, or something that I, a movie that I get to design from the ground up, so to speak, you know, from scratch. And, uh, and again, this project allowed me to do that and allowed me to kind of go back and visit, um, my love for action films. <laughs> and so, uh, so it actually ticked off a lot of boxes.
0: I'm curious growing up cause we're roughly the same age. I'm mm-hmm. curious, uh, for you, like what were the seminal, specifically like comic? Book Wait, you're twenty nine? Wow, that's amazing. Sweet yeah, sixteen, man. both of us. <laughs> <laughs> we're wonderkins uh, exactly. They let the interns to direct movies and do podcasts. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah, right. Uh, and not age. <laughs> I, love I love that. You. But <laughs> hypothetically, if we were a little bit older, we might have come of age of the the Tim Burton Batman's. Uh, that's right. Um, what were, like what were the big ones for you growing up? Growing up, uh, you know, you mean in terms of comic book yeah, movies? Yeah, let's go specific on uh,
1: that first. Uh, definitely. Um, you know I, I know a lot of people kind of grew up um with Superman being being their first sort of superhero ones and I think maybe Superman was my first one as well the Christopher Reeves one yeah. but uh, but I think the one that kind of made the biggest impact on me is Tim Burton's Batman yeah. Batman eighty nine <laughs> as I call it um, and uh, and so uh so that's the one to me at least I feel like uh, is what sort of um uh is the first movie to really gave us a modern day version of right. what a comic book movie uh, would and could look like and so uh, so that's definitely one that uh, I you know I, I hold it up there as, as as one of the great comic book films well
0: it makes sense given what you were just talking about like I love the Donner Superman who does right. of course they're great but right. when I think of the thing you were just talking about world building right um, that's right because Donner kind of li- it, that Superman kind of lives in our world it's not right. like a stylized world right yeah. um, but Burden uh, and Every film including that one it's you you're in crazy tim burton's mind tim what, burton's what, what, mind that's a great right place to be <laughs>
1: <laughs> weird and wonderful uh and, and and yeah and exactly and that's what i love about that film is you know uh you follow this larger than life character batman but then uh but then you know you sort of uh, you're also inside you know uh the sort of heightened sort of world of tim burton as well yeah. and uh, and that's what you know I'm, I'm a big tim burton fan i you know he's definitely one of the few filmmakers that i grew up idolizing you know he's he's up there where the likes of Spielberg and Cameron and yeah. Lucas, uh, and so uh, so you know I'm definitely a uh, a child of the '80s and '90s. That's for sure.
0: Is there, is there a filmmaker that you would kill to kind of just um, eavesdrop on on their set? Just to like, if you had if you had oodles of time, you're like, I could just sit and you can go specific on a specific film. Like it would have been cool to be on this set or just a filmmaker.
1: Um, I guess I admire different filmmakers for different things. Sure. Um, you know, obviously, it'd be amazing to see. Um, you know this kind of happened now but it would be it would have been amazing to see how someone like Alfred Hitchcock would have uh, directed his film on set right. and you know you you read about all the cheekiness that he got up to It'd be amazing to be like a fly on the wall and see uh, the kind of stuff that he used to get up to yeah um, and, and you know and you know and it would have been amazing to see um, Stephen on the set of uh, Raiders of the Lost oh Ark Um, And, yeah, many other directors, I I would have loved to have seen uh, what Dario Gento did uh, on Deep Red. There you go. And so on and so
0: on. (laughs) So Okay, so growing up, and you came of age in Australia, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so what were, how early on did you get serious about... This potential endeavor, this potential
1: um, life. You know, like like most people, um, you know uh, that uh, you know film geeks out there. I, I, I grew up with movies. I grew up you know with movies. Been a big part of my youth, um, at a young age. Uh, made a big impact. Um, I, th- I I think the first movie I can remember seeing in theaters in uh, theater was. Um,
0: um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarf. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then the next Wait, movie... Wait, are you that old when it originally came out? You're like at 80? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they re-release re- re- that all the time. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think it was a re-release. Uh, <laughs> I just want to be clear. He's you know, older than 16, but not that much older. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a re-release. Um,
1: and then the next movie I remember seeing in in theater is Poltergeist. Yeah. And, and I think I saw that one uh, at the age of seven. And, and of course, Poltergeist is a film that left uh, big Impression on me, make me terrified of clowns and uh, and, and dolls. Uh, yeah, so we've, to say. we've reaped
0: the benefits of your trauma from Poltergeist. That's thanks, right. That's thanks right. Thanks Toby to Hooper. Poltergeist, thanks
1: Steven Spielberg. Uh, you know, I, uh, I I I go on to make all these movies about creepy dolls. That's right. <laughs> um, and so uh, yeah, so you know, I grew up with you know with movies and stuff like that, and and all kinds of movies as well. And you know, early in my life, um, I, I was still in Malaysia, and so right. I kind of grew up with you know sort of Asian cinema as well. Um, um, you know, filmmakers such, such as Sue Huck and uh, and John Woo and stuff like sure. that. And then, uh, then you know, then I, uh, my family moved to Australia, and then uh, and then then it was uh, about Hollywood films.
0: Were you were you reading a lot of comics as a kid too? Um, probably,
1: I would say that I was more a. Uh, a Film geek than I was a comic geek. Sure. Uh, it wasn't till I was in my teenage years that I started discovering comic book uh, in a bigger way. In a big way, and um, and uh, and it was during the period when uh, all the great sort of. Uh, Writers and artists move away from the two big houses, which uh, you right. know at the time were you know Marvel and DC, to uh, to go play in the Image, image world. Of course, McFarlane, and M- and McFarlane yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, McFarlane, Jim Lee, yep. and uh, and um, Rob Liefeld and those yep. guys. And so, yeah, so I kind of I grew up more with Spawn yep. than uh, than the more sort of than than the other classic ones, Spawn, Youngblood, Blood, uh, Wildcats, right. Savage Dragon. Those were the ones I grew up with. Were
0: you ever? I'm curious, like, because they've been trying. They're going to finally do another Spawn version now. Mm-hmm. For the big screen. Have you ever been talked to any of those guys about any of those films? Film versions? Um I haven't
1: really. Yeah. I mean I tell Jim Lee that, uh, I'm a big fan of his yeah. naturally. Uh, and, uh, and that was really cool to, uh, to meet Jim, you know, growing up, loving, uh, the stuff that he, he had done. And uh, and so I got the chance to tell him, you know, that I love the stuff he did. And that was basic. That wasn't pretty much it.
0: <laughs> so how, uh, how far back can you think in terms of the first time you were, have you built a bit up for comic book movies for, for many years? Like once the first, do you remember the first pitch you made for a comic book film?
1: Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I've. Uh, I, th- I think it was around about Fast and Furious Seven that mm-hmm. uh, that you know that people kind of like started thinking of me for potential comic book properties.
0: You could we br- kind of broken out of that box thanks to both Conjuring and Fast Seven, and people were yeah. starting to see that you could. Yeah, do that more than
1: horror. Yeah, and- that that's what they, I can do. I will make other films outside of the horror, and that I can kind of tackle on t- take on bigger projects. Yeah. And uh, and so you know I. Um, yeah, uh, I remember very early, uh, uh, you know, years back, a couple of years back. I think it was um, right after Conjuring One that uh, I went in and I, uh, uh, you know, I I went into a uh, particular studio and told them that, hey, I'm a big fan of Blade. Would <laughs> you guys be interested in rebooting Blade? Uh, and so, uh, so that was one. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, Obviously, nothing came out of that, but, uh, <laughs> but that was my, uh, my my sort of my first intro into uh, looking at potential comic book properties. What was to your adapt. take
0: on, on, on doing a, diff- a different blade? I mean, um,
1: it was just you know just to kind of talk about it. Yeah. You know, I didn't necessarily have a. Uh, have full I, I, I did, yeah. I didn't have a full presentation. I did have an idea. I can't quite remember what it was. That's how far back <laughs> it was, uh, and I've done a lot since then. So I can't right. quite remember what I, what I had thought of. Um, but uh, but I did like it at the time.
0: Dig <laughs> it out. They still haven't done it yeah. yet. Um, yeah, Wesley, I feel like, still talks about it every other year. Like, huh, I'm ready. <laughs> Bring me back. Some of those right. original Blade films are pretty good. Obviously, Guillermo got his. Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, geez. Uh, I don't know. I think they were great films, especially that first the one. The first one's pretty great. The first, one's the first, first pretty scene is, is awesome. so groundbreaking for yeah. the, you know, uh, I think it came out around the same time as The Matrix, right? Yeah, it came out before right. The Matrix. Mm-hmm. And I remember just remember thinking how groundbreaking Blade was was. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. So this one, so flash forward, you get all this heat off of uh, fast seven. Um, obviously already Warner brothers, uh, right. likes you very much because mm-hmm. you've done pretty well for that studio. Um, and so is it like just like a general meeting is it kind of like again do you kind of say like hey i know you're making a lot of these i'm interested or do they come to you because what they've said what I've, mm-hmm. what I've heard you say is flash and aquaman right, came around right uh yeah i mean that's pretty much what it was uh you know
1: i i I'm, i was already you know sort of in their world with yeah. the conjuring films um and so uh, so you know so i knew that they were you know playing in you know doing their dc films and so being a comic book fan i kind of <laughs> put my hand up and say hey you guys uh, if uh, you know if you're interested uh uh you know um i would be interested as well if we uh kind of want to try and do something this together dating yeah, yeah, like, really was. so, uh, so uh, what do you think <laughs> uh, do you want to go out uh it was a little bit like that and uh, and yeah and they did it they, they they called me to come in uh they called me into the dc and and they you know we just had a very general chat about mm. it early on and that was when they sort of uh very very sort of uh in a very general kind of way um very lightly sort of pitch me what I thought about the idea of either Aquaman or The Flash. And your immediate response was? I was like, Oh wow! Those two uh, haven't found directors yet. You guys haven't found <laughs> directors for those two <laughs> projects <you> yet. <laughs> and you know, and you know, I was, uh, you know, I, I obviously, um, I was very familiar uh, with with those two properties. I didn't actually grow up reading um, either books, but uh, but you know, but they're so iconic, and yeah. uh, and so you know, it's hard to kind of not know who right. they uh, they uh, they are.
0: So um, in the end, uh, it sounds like. As cool as the Flash is, and I'm still excited to see uh, that one come to the big screen, especially with someone like Ezra uh, mm-hmm. playing that character. Um, and the- Ezra is so great in that role, and I just think I cannot
1: wait to see his his standalone film.
0: Totally. Um, the appeal again of building something from the ground up.
1: That's right. Is, yeah, and is what makes it really. Work. I mean, you know, um, we've seen Flash on the small screen. Right. Um, you know, I love the uh, the Jonathan Wesley ship. Oh, yeah, ship. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, remember. Yeah, again, yeah, room, yeah, I yeah. remember. yeah, that's right. I remember, <laughs> I remember that one, and I, and I loved it. And and so uh, so you know, so the Flash has been done before on the big, uh, on the uh, small, screen. small screen, and uh, and so uh, I felt that Aquaman really is the one guy really who is as famous and as iconic as he is yeah. has never never really been touched before, and. And especially, you know, when this was going down three years ago, when I uh, sort of came on board, um, you know, he hasn't appeared in Justice League yet. Right. Or I'm just I'm trying to think of Bv. Uh,
0: the BVS cameo, BVS, that happened, cameo. if
1: that had happened yet, I can't right. quite remember necessarily. But you know, but never, yeah, you know, he's never been sort of touched um, to this degree before, and so, uh, and then obviously the the chance to uh, kind of build his whole world from scratch right. and and to do this really sort of big underwater sort of world that we had never seen before, yeah. that was definitely the biggest draw card.
0: So when you start to you sign on, Momo is already in. Um, is there a script already in place? Like, how much does the script that existed then resemble? For- my movie.
1: Yeah. Um they uh it, um they I think they had been playing with different scripts already, I think, right. but uh, they did not show me any of those. Got it. And so uh so they, they did they didn't want to sort of um affect me in any way or influence me in any way. They wanted me to come in and bring my own vision to this and and you know and really do it my way and bring a sort of fresh take to it. Um and so that's what I did. I was like, great, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And uh, I came in and uh, I started sort of thinking about you know the story. I wanted to tell, and I worked closely with Jeff Johns. Um, I, you know, it was Jeff who really kind of brought me into the DC world. Right. Um, he, uh, you know, he really wanted me to, you know, play with this particular character, and uh, and um, and so, um, so. He gave me his books, and, I, and so I, I looked through the New Fifty Two, and then I, I, I read all his stuff, and I fell in love with it. I love what he did. I love the way he rebooted this character, and the way he sort of like reintroduced the world and the characters uh, to a new audience. and uh, And I became a fan based of what he did. And, and so naturally, uh, when it came time to sort of work on the foundation of the script, I used his books as uh, the leaping off. It's. Point.
0: I mean, it's interesting H- having seen the film. What really left to mind for me watching the movie was I wasn't thinking I didn't compare it to comic book movies after I walked out of that theater. I was thinking of you know Avatar, Flash Gordon, fantasy, right, sci-fi. Right, right. Uh, it, it, as you say, you, this is a world-building thing mixed with a bit of like a family drama, which is not right. so, which is not something that you're unfamiliar with either. I mean, Pastor, Patrick Wilson was just saying to me, like, that's right. kind of his secret sauce. Like, right. when you get, get past all the, the bells and whistles, whistles yeah. that's what it he is. He makes
1: family dramas. That's really all he does. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, oh, jokes aside, I, I look at um, um, The Conjuring films, and it really is kind of just a love story between uh, this husband and wife. Right who just so happens to uh, deal in the world of the supernatural <laughs> exactly. and, uh, and you know and the, the, to me the genre really doesn't matter um, right. I think um, you know the most important thing is creating characters that people care about yeah. and, uh, and and creating uh, sort of human emotion that uh, that an audience can kind of relate to and uh, in, in the case of this movie because I'm taking the audience on such a kind of crazy ride yeah. into these sort of like visually striking world that we haven't kind of quite seen before and so the more outrageous the world gets the more human the uh, emotional sort of quality needs needed to be and so yeah. i think um if you allow the audience to have something that they can relate to then uh, then you can take them on this really crazy fun ride um because they have they, there is something in the film that grounds them and that is the human emotion
0: and i think one of the smarter things you guys did is um cast somebody like nicole uh, kidman right uh, uh, who can like make anything no matter how outlandish <laughs> i feel like right. and root it in like a yeah. real emotion like that's right it, mean- it's pretty astounding because yeah look this is a crazy movie and it's some crazy stuff you have to say <laughs> and do in these kinds of movies uh-huh. Uh-huh. but like you feel for this relationship right from the start and it, that's that's really nicole kidman i feel like
1: it, it, it was very important for me that uh that in that short little prologue sequence yeah. that uh, I laid the emotional foundation for the whole film. Yeah. And uh, and only someone, you know, someone like a Nicole Kidman can come in and just nail it. Yeah. And that's what makes it so great. That's why she's always freaking uh, winning Oscars <laughs> and nominations, right? Because she's so amazing at what she does. And uh, and so, uh, so yeah, so, you know, I knew that I had a small window uh, in, in that opening sequence to kind of like lay the emotional groundwork. I mean, not too dissimilar to uh, to what Up did. and uh, And yeah. I kind of looked at Up as a, as a point of reference oh, yeah you're right, and so you have like this short little five minute um, sort of prologue moment, and you have to lay everything down in that moment, and I feel like uh, you got to make sure you get that right because if you don 't get that right yep. you know it could unravel the rest of your movie yeah. and, uh, and so uh, so that was very important for me the uh, the relationship between mom and dad um, you know played by Nicole and Tamura Morrison. Uh, and so you know the the love between those two from very different worlds yep. is what ultimately gave us the Arthur Curry.
0: Is um I, I've heard you mention before and this again makes sense to me considering the kind of audacity on screen uh, Fury Road referenced which yes. is, I, I mean I've talked to many filmmakers in here for me for I think any filmmaker I admire like that's like the movie of the last like 10-20 years right, that's like, right, right. like that's filmmaking on another level what right. he did in that film
1: that's right yeah and, and, and the fact that um you know, he, you know George has said this is my world and I'm going to go for it right I'm going to go for it and these are the things I'm going to do and yeah it, it's outrageous and it's out and it's crazy. But it's not in my world. It's not crazy in my world. Right. And so, uh, so I kind of use that sort of as a sort of somewhat of a kind of philosophical template yeah. uh, in, in in helping me to sort of dive into the world of Aquaman and saying this is my world that I'm making, and the concept of a drumming octopus isn't isn't crazy at all. By the rules of my yeah, world. but by, by the rule of my world, that's not crazy. A- <laughs> that's right. It's a weekend <laughs> at, a, uh, at a family. <laughs> concert, uh, and so uh, and so that was really the uh, philosophy I had going to this film is to make it as complete uh, as possible, so that um, so that it is uniquely its own world.
0: You shot all of this back in Australia, in Australia, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That must. I, I, I have a feeling that's probably an advantage in a situation like this, because like, I mean, I remember even again talking. I talked to Patrick Wilson a couple months back, and he was saying like. It was kind of a nice escape, like you know, <laughs> to be away from Hollywood, to well, be away from uh, the studio. Yeah, frankly, kind of true. I yeah. mean, I'm sure some executives came and paid you a visit, but maybe less so than if you had been shooting right. in Burbank or something, right? <laughs> I mean, that's usually the case
1: when you're filming in Australia, because it's you know on the other side of the globe. Yeah, and uh, and it's kind of great, you know, is uh, you know the fact that the distance uh, kind of keep people away from it. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, uh, it's cool. Listen, uh, going to this movie um, from you know from day one. I, uh, I uh I had a, I had a very, I had a very strong vision for this film yeah. and uh and the movie I pitch is ultimately the movie I made and the That's movie and I delivered yeah. so uh so you know I uh it wasn't like I, I I pitched them one movie and then I went down to Australia and I made a different movie <laughs> right. do you know what I mean <laughs> right. and so uh so I kind of I I, I, st- I stuck to my gun and uh I kind of I gave them what I said I was going
0: to give them um and, and that made it you know, easy in that respect. And, and timeline-wise, I'm trying to remember this because, like, you know, obviously Justice League had its production, you know, uh, issues, etc., and reception was not what the studio wanted. Clearly, like, where were you? Were you in production when Justice League came out, or? Uh, I guess my question I is: I think
1: Justice League was still shooting when I was shooting. Got it. Yeah. That being said, I and think I, I was I, towards the tail end of their photography because I remember. Um, Jason Momoa Leaving my set To go do the Additional photography Got it In London yeah. So
0: again like It sounds like You were able to make The movie you wanted From the start It's not like Suddenly you had to Change the course Thanks to whatever Happened with Justice League
1: Right No I didn't ha- I didn't have I didn't have to do that And I tell you why Because uh you know from day one i wanted my story to be a standalone story right. and i think that was probably the smartest thing that i kind of did with this is to not be beholden to another movie because yeah. uh, that would have been terrifying you know if they they ch- switch up certain things and then uh, you know as as you you naturally tend to do in you know with filmmaking you know like i did that on conjuring too as well sure. you know uh i i, I switched things out and uh, you know because sometimes in Post production during the editing process, you go, oh, you know what? I thought it was cool to go down this path, but I should have done tweak it like this instead. And yeah. so it's just you know the organic process of discovery and filmmaking and stuff like that happens, you know, um, on all films. Um, but uh, but luckily, I think uh, the story that I wanted to tell was very different, and uh, and you know, and my heroes go down a path, go on a journey that had you know very little to do with uh, right. any of the other characters. In the in the cinematic universe of DC,
0: it, it, was there any concern that like there would be a, a- a, a bad taste left from for some fans coming off of Justice League going into this one where like you kind of have to like start from scratch and reassure them I know Justice League had its detractors but trust me we're, we're doing our own thing here
1: um, you know I can't really control that yeah. kind of stuff you know I I just try not to um, you know let the noise distract me too much and there's a lot of noise out there <laughs> you know good and bad yeah. uh, and so uh, so you know there's only so much you can do as a filmmaker you, you make the film you want to make and yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and you hope people uh, see that uh, the film that you've made, you know, uh, is from a place of passion and from a place of love. And, and that's really that was really the main thing for me. You know, coming into this particular project, um, I really fell in love with Aquaman and, yeah. and, and with this character and the world. And, uh, and so I really wanted to be respectful to the fans out there. And so, you know, I made a movie that I think is very much, uh, you know, how an Aquaman movie should be. Right.
0: <laughs> Is uh, I'm curious. Like, do you still have a relationship with with Zach, who obviously cast these roles initially? Like, has he seen? Has Zach Snyder seen? Yeah, yeah.
1: Zach saw my director's
0: cut, and you know, and he g- gave me his blessing, right? And so, uh, so that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and in something like this, can you test screen a film of this size and this this much attention? Like, do you show this to filmmakers, friends? What it's, was helpful in that process? I for you? actually
1: wanted to show the movie more, believe it or not, to a general public. Yeah, um, you know, because then you, that that's when you get. Uh, you know I would imagine you get the most sort of truthful sort of you know sort of opinions and ideas and stuff like that right. and thoughts um, but this is a hard film to test screen just because yeah. like every single fucking shot in this film <laughs> is a fucking blue screen <laughs> right
0: <laughs> Jeez, just about yeah. and uh, I and, remember I just interject quickly because so I remember I was at CinemaCon I think uh-huh. when you were there and I could and I saw you <laughs> I, I talked to you on the carpet and I saw you in the presentation and it was palpable how it was frankly I think it was killing you that you had oh, to show that footage gosh, God I just did early. not want to show it so <laughs> early on
1: <laughs> and uh, and even all the way up until like Two months before we had to finish the movie You know, like, what, what happens is You know, you work on your visual effect shots And uh, you keep working on it, and for me, I keep tweaking it Because I'm so pedantic <laughs> And I just keep tweaking it, tweaking it And I literally kept working on every single shot Until literally everyone says You know, until the studio, the producers, and everyone says uh, Okay, now you have to put the pen down You know, like, <laughs> no more, you guys uh, the, the test is done, you have to put your pen down And hand your, your you know, your paper in right. And that was really my approach And I just keep tweaking it up until the very last minute that I couldn't tweak b- anymore because the print has to go off to international. It has to go <laughs> off to China because China, is getting played. You know, getting released a lot earlier. Right. And so, uh, so um, you know, and so it was really hard of a film to show people at a very early, very early stage. You know, with my horror films, when I finished my director's cut, you know you pretty much know what the movie's going to be. Yeah. And with this film, you know, when I finish my director's cut, you know, everything is just like, you know, like the world that we put in was just pretty much pre still. And it was just really crude and rudimentary. And so it's a hard one for, uh, you know, for people to sort of watch and kind of, you know, kind of know what they're watching. Right. Um, and so when we do the test screening process, um, the thing that I try to sort of, try and kind of read between the lines is whether or not the character element works. So I I know I don't need fancy effects to make those human elements work and luckily I... You know, from what I got from all the test screenings, is the human elements work.
0: Yeah, and you're just hoping they're not distracted by like that that big green tennis ball or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like there are moments you know where they laugh, but you know it's because they're laughing at uh, you know, just you know silly behind the scenes stuff. Right. Yeah. I was talking to, to Momoa about that iconic uh, costume that I know was important to you to get into this film. which right. It sounds like he had some trepidation. I probably he probably was not alone. <laughs> like, because that's like uh, on paper some things look great. Right. On the silver screen, not necessarily everything translates. Right. Um, <laughs> true. Was that a big debate or was it sort of like an, a non-starter? Like, look, like if we're going to do Aquaman, I have to portray that iconic costume.
1: Uh, to me, it was a non-starter. Yeah. I, I had to make that costume work. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, like uh, one way or another, we're going to make that costume work. And, and it has got to look amazing for the screen. And so, you know, we we worked on it. We literally worked on it like um, all through the post Uh, Sorry, pre-production process and all the way through production as well, Um, you know, because we started shooting the movie, kind of, you know, pretty much in order. And and so we didn't, I didn't necessarily need the costume that early on during production of uh, production of photography. And so we had time to just keep tweaking it, keep tweaking it, you know, uh, you know, you know, is it a rubber suit or is it a chainmail suit? How does it look and what's the best way to go about it and creating different versions of it so that, you know, the, the actors and the stunt guys can kind of wear it and still be able to perform the action stuff.
0: Have you left anything on the table for the sequel? Are, is, there, is, there, is this the kind of thing where you go into this and you put like every great Aquaman idea <laughs> into the film? Or in the back of your mind, you're like, here are five ideas I'd like to keep around. Listen, uh, the way I uh, see this is I'm, I might only get one chance to do this, so
1: <laughs> I'm going to go for broke. <laughs> so, so you don't have your
0: Aqualad script already written?
1: <laughs> no, I mean, here's the thing. I just wanted to make sure that this particular movie worked. I, I, I hate... I don't think about um, sequels necessarily. I try not, at least, at the very least, I don't want to talk about it. Right, um, right. I don't like talking about it because um, this first one hasn't even come out yet.
0: So let's see. Okay. Let's get this one out there and then let's see what the audience is out there thinks. You did recently, I'm curious, we were talking about ba- Batman before and this, of course, perks up anybody's ears when they hear that anybody had a pitch for Batman. What was What's the horror James Wan Batman thing? <laughs> was that a real thing? Like, is that something you pitched the studio? Uh, I, you know, it was kind of real for like,
1: you know, two seconds um it it, it wasn't uh something that i was necessarily gonna you know i i think ultimately pursue because i've you know i i i didn't pursue it just because i felt like you know um there's been a lot of um, Batman stories, yeah. yes. and, uh, and which is great, you know. Like I'm a big fan of the Batman War and the Batman character, and I think um, you know they're great filmmakers that, that are gonna come in and, and do great things with this character. Um, I just ultimately decided that you know it's um, it's probably not
0: for me gotcha. and. Um, so is there, though, an unexplored... Because I know Matt Reeves is kind of... I mean, I'm so excited that Matt Reeves is doing right. the Batman. I'm, oh, my right. God, that guy's a Me genius. Too. <laughs> um, and he's kind of... What he said, the little he said, is he's interested in like, the de- detective aspect that hasn't really been explored. Sure, much. right. So right. for you, the aspect in your mind's eye was there's a more horror aspect of Batman that hasn't been explored on the big screen? I think so. Yeah.
1: I think that would be the angle that I would have taken it. Um, you know, do a scary version of Batman, uh Um, whatever that means.
0: (laughs) So, um, okay. So backtracking a little bit, um, you know, one of the touchstones of this film we talk about is like Aquaman, like some, some iconic superheroes is this character born of two worlds. Mm -hmm. Uh, did you feel like that growing up? I mean, you grew up, you came of age in Australia, but born Mm -hmm. in Malaysia, Mm -hmm. is that something you relate to and feel like you were? I do.
1: Yeah. I, I definitely, uh, do to some degree. I think, um, you know, it's great to have a hero who is, uh, a biracial character, really, half yeah. Atlantean and half surface dweller, right? Yeah. And uh, and having this character then be portrayed by Jason Momoa could not be more sort of uh, uh you know, uh, perfect. And uh, and so uh, so you know, it, it was great for him and myself to kind of come into this character and kind of understanding a little bit about that point of view, and uh, and using that sort of um, our point of view of uh, of the two sort of separate worlds to kind of kind of shape the uh, the character arc of the character.
0: Did you have like examples around you, whether in your family or friends, or just in the culture, of like a template for your path in the business? Did you feel, or was it sort of like, I need to figure out how to make, like, well, how no, to even do this? I
1: mean, that that that's the crazy part is um, the career path that I've picked is cannot be more different from <laughs> from all my cousins and the rest mm-hmm. of my family, um, you know. Uh, I come from a family of really smart people uh, like the, the, uh, you know, like the engineers and scientists and stuff like that. And uh, meanwhile, I'm like, I'm going to be an artist. I want to make movies for a living. Yeah. You can imagine how well that went down. Um, but, uh, but it's, you know, I always do, you know, um, I try to break the stereotype and, uh, and so, uh, you know, um, coming from, you know, from a big Asian family, you know, we, we always kind of seen more as sort of, you know, kind of, um, uh, more academic type that really right. put a lot of uh, emphasis on on those kind of jobs and uh, and I just did not want a uh, such a traditional career path right. and so I kind of went a bit left field and pursued my
0: love for filmmaking. Was there a point where you kind of reassured the family was reassured that this was that James was going to be okay? Did, did, <laughs> did, it, did it take until because you, know, you you made a film before Saw but Saw then obviously oh, exploded yeah. at I Sundance mean, like. like yeah, it took a while. It was until Saw that actually made people kind of
1: go, "Oh, okay, maybe, uh, maybe you know, he, work out. yeah, maybe he kind of knows what he's uh, trying to do there." <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, what's great, you know, with my mother, for example, she's always been so supportive of uh, whatever I wanted to do. Um, she was the one that got me into uh, horror movies. She she loves horror films, mm-hmm. and so she was the one that, that that showed me horror films from a very young age, and, uh, and and she loved movies, and because of her that I have my Left for, for filmmaking
0: do you think uh, you know the 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 way this business operates has changed quite a bit uh since saw do you feel like you would oh, yes. take the same path today if you were coming of age as a young filmmaker um would you go the festival route with something like saw or it's uh it's pretty incredible that
1: uh that you know that the movies that hollywood wants to make right now really that uh, that they feel comfortable making um uh, superhero movies. And low-budget horror films. <laughs> it's okay, like it's, it's your time finally. And James. it literally <laughs> is like the two kind of like genres that I specialize in: <laughs> big-budget sort of action movies, a low, low-budget sort of intimate horror films. If you can't succeed and, uh, now, I don't know yeah. what to tell you, man. This is it. <laughs> and so I, you know, it's uh, serendipity that uh, I kind of just fell into that. Right. And uh, and you know, um, you know, I, I uh, you know, I, I will say this. Um, um, you know, that today, you know, like, um, you know, we're willing um, and, you know, including myself and the company that I have, Atomic Monster, you know, we take chances on young upcoming filmmakers. And, right. uh, and, and, and we do that with, um, you know, uh, you know, just seeing maybe a short that they've made and uh, and then, you know, and then kind of like taking them on board and giving them, you know, potentially a, a feature film to, to tackle. Right. And uh, and you know what? That was exactly what happened to myself, to me and Lee when uh, when we made our Saw short and it was that short that got us the feature film
0: amazing i'm curious because like when you look at and so sorry so that was
1: something we did like 14 15 years ago yeah uh it's still relevant now so the
0: when i look at the different kind of like horror what became franchises for you i look at saw and i look at insidious and conjuring there were a couple different paths for you for instance like saw you obviously only directed the first one and then it kind of went on and did Mm -hmm. a different thing right um was that part of why you decided to like Stay a little closer and direct the Insidious sequel, and to really preside over this Conjuring universe because you yes. kind of felt like you lost control over Saw a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it. You know, I. You know, it was something that I walked away from really creatively, and right. I, it wasn't because the producers of the studio did not want me involved. I just felt like I had made that movie, and I didn't really need to do it again right. with the sequels. Um, and the crazy thing is that the Saw films became so successful. Um, that uh, that it actually took me a while to get up from under the shadow of yeah. Saw, <laughs> the S- Saw films, and uh, and even though I didn't direct any of the six sequels uh, or seven, if you include Jigsaw, um, I became so associated with that world and with those films that uh, that people didn't really see me as a filmmaker outside of. The Saw films Right and, uh, and it took a while To kind of get people To kind of take me seriously um, And you know And you know With my second And third movie Not being commercially successful right. Meant that uh, Meant that it was Even harder for, for, for me to get Other projects Off the ground It's
0: interesting That it could be argued I mean I guess You could point to A few different films As the films That kind of broadened Your rep Or whatever In the industry right. But like Sure there was Fast 7 But like Conjuring Which obviously Is a horror film But like Also couldn't be More different In style And aesthetic well, then that, that's song.
1: really it so even though you know i have um directed three you know three of the horror sort of horror sort of franchises you know yep. from saw insidious and uh, and conjuring um they're all very different films for me i, I, I know yeah. insidious and conjuring kind of live more closer together because they sort of ghost stories and haunted house stories but uh but you know but even then you know um for me i feel like insidious is closer to let's say phantasm yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, because it felt more sort of like fantastical you know yeah. more like a fantasy sort of horror genre for me uh which you know kind of like phantasm was mm-hmm. um uh, and the conjuring obviously was one because it's a you know um based on a true life story mm-hmm. um you know I, I knew going into that film i needed to tackle it in a slightly different way i approach it more like a drama movie sure than anything else and uh and um and so yeah so i you know every movie i make uh, there has to be something that's different in it to challenge me as a filmmaker and and so that's partially why i i felt like um i didn't really need for me to come back to do conjuring three
0: the uh right it continues but you'll 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 oversee it and give as a
1: producer yeah
0: um I mean, you talk about the word challenge and you think of something like Fast 7, which obviously, I mean, Ooh, I, there's yeah. never going to be a, a probably a more challenging film that, for a number uh, of
1: reasons. That is the hardest movie in my career, yeah. Uh, um, that's just outright the hardest film. As difficult as Aquaman was to make, uh, at least uh, you know it wasn't at that level uh, emotionally. At that yeah, level, yeah.
0: I mean, uh, yeah, of course, and to not so to, people don't need to be reminded, but of mm-hmm. course, Paul sadly passed in the in the middle of that shoot, and I mm-hmm. I would imagine from what I gather, like there was a time where you weren't even sure you were going to finish that film for a second. Like who? Like what do we do? Like what? Uh,
1: pretty much, yeah. I uh, you know um, I had no idea how we were going to finish that film, um, and if it was even possible to finish the film because. When um, Paul passed away, I had li- literally only shot half of his scenes with him, and uh, and that's what's incredible about the final film is uh, the the we actually ended up adding more scenes with his character instead of reducing the scenes because we wanted to give him a really you know a, a really sort of emotional farewell yeah. and so uh so in a lot of ways uh we actually went back and uh and added more character stuff to his character and uh and so uh, so not only did we not reduce his scenes we ended up adding more and uh, and it was r- just
0: really difficult um to to put The film together. I can't imagine. I'm sure the final shooting script of that looks very little like what you started out doing. In many Uh, ways.
1: I mean, that's why you know, um, you know, when we had to go back and do additional photography to sort of tie things together, it was, uh, it was, it was literally like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, We were sifting through, you know, um, just, just you know, dailies from. Paul's other films and, uh, and, and what's so great was that uh, people were willing to volunteer um, their dailies to us from other studios uh, we ultimately didn't use any but uh, um, from other studios but, uh, but people love Paul so much that they were willing to help us finish it and, and give him the correct sort of final farewell sign off yeah
0: I know, I think they invited you back for the, for the eighth and, uh, for, I mean, I understand why you would feel the need to do something different. Um, Mm -hmm. do you feel your time in that franchise is done? Would you ever consider doing anything else in that universe? (laughs) Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really fun, woe to
1: watch, but it's, uh. It's a kind of, it's a tough one to, uh, to, it. to make.
0: Yeah. 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 I feel like I could spend an hour with you just like, what's it like <laughs> to hang out with Vin, direct <laughs> yeah. Vin Diesel, the most interesting man on the planet. <laughs> I'm endlessly I mean, fascinated Vin, by him.
1: Vin is a really smart guy oh, and, know. Uh, yeah. and yeah, and he's, uh, he's very intelligent and, uh, and you know, and he knows, um, you know, he, uh,
0: he, you know, he's kind of guided that, that sort of franchise to where it is now. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, having somehow gotten Fast 7 to the finish line and achieving what you did, uh, finishing uh, this film and getting the reviews that you're getting, and hopefully the box office will correspond to that. Um, It feels like it's going to be hard to keep kind of raising the bar for yourself. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what that would even constitute at this point. Um,
1: Um, I think for me... um There's other genres that I love that I haven't quite had the chance to explore yet, so I I love the idea of making maybe making a more pure science fiction film. I think that would be really cool. What are Um, are your
0: top sci-fi movies, Like, like, like when you think of your hallmarks, the ones that stick with you? That's a big question I'm sure. It is a big question I, I, for, I, for me, to me think. If someone asked me that I would be like I need to was 20 movies. <laughs> yeah, well that's that's really it, you know, like uh
1: they're different kind of sci-fi movies. I mean, you know, like you have your Star Wars films, but that's more like sci-fi Sci-fans. fantasy, yep. right? And then uh, you know, and then I love what Cameron did with Terminator 1. Mm. I mean, and 2 as well, but there was just something really special about the first one for me. Yeah. Uh in a different kind of science fiction kind of way. Uh and then you know, then there, there's obviously more sort of pure science fiction, you know, with um, you know, with like sort of your 2001 and Right. And, uh, and and uh and you know and and what Nolan did with interstellar and stuff like that so I mean there, I, I
0: love them all is there a specific idea that you have or is it just sort of like I'm looking for the right fit for that
1: I'm trying to uh, fi- find the right thing that uh that sings to me
0: is there not to be I would imagine you don't want to become like franchise guy that's always doing someone else's kind of franchise thing but that being said <laughs> is there like a Is there a franchise that you would have a tough time legitimately saying no to at this point? Like if like Star Trek, (laughs) Star Wars, Lord of the Rings comes calling, be like, oh my God, the 12-year-old James Wan's not going to be able to get off.
1: Say no to that. Uh, um, I might have one, but I don't (laughs) want (laughs) to say. Was it something I just mentioned? uh, No, it's not. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, it might be something that I would maybe, maybe love to sort of quietly pursue We'll see if it happens or not. Right. Um, but uh, but listen, you know, with even um, with Aquaman, I uh, so even though it's in in a bigger sort of umbrella world, right? there has a you know, it's a part of a cinematic universe. Um, you know, I try to make it my own. You know, I try totally. to kind of create my own world. And so you know, so within the world of Aquaman, it's its own sort of unique world. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, I I'm not opposed to the idea of just maybe going up and doing either a small drama. Yeah. Or uh, or, or, or a cute little romantic comedy. There you go. That's my favorite genre. So to to watch. Is that right? Yeah, I love the romantic genre.
0: And there are not enough of those good ones made nowadays.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, the best one we, you know, one of the best ones we hit was recently with um, Crazy Rich Asians. I love that film. Great movie. Just
0: watch it again it's over the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see award season. That one could sneak in there. It'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to take a break after this. You're producing a, a ton, though. Like, you've got Swing Thing, a, rap- a lot of cool stuff is coming out. Yeah, the
1: I'm thinking that maybe what I should do next is that uh, Put the brakes on, as in terms of my directing career, and just like and just kind of back away from directing a lot, and just sort of focus more on my producing being serious? I, I don't know. I mean, that's what I would like to do right now. Dude, uh, what are you talking about? No. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just like maybe, I don't know, just uh, take a break because as you pointed out, I do have a lot of projects that I'm producing yeah. and I'd love to be able to, to give my time onto those different
0: projects and right. uh, and focus on them and uh, you know make sure we do them right. Okay, I'll give you, you can have a year <laughs> to focus on these other things, but, you're, but too, uh, you're, you're too talented behind the camera to... Oh, thank you. I, uh, <laughs> I uh, Listen, I mean, if, this is what i will say to that is
1: uh first and foremost my day job is as a director and right. so I, that's my first and foremost love and passion i love directing and so you know that's what i say now we'll, we'll, we'll see how long
0: i can kind of stay away from it fair enough look yeah. again you know an undertaking like this deserves a, a little bit of a break so uh take a well-deserved vacation uh oversee these other cool projects and <laughs> um i'll talk to you on the next one man congratulations though on aquaman it's a, it's a hell of an achievement so. awesome
1: sir thank you so much for having me
0: so ends another edition of happy sad confused remember to review rate and subscribe to this show on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts i'm a big podcast person i'm daisy ridley and i definitely wasn't pressured to do this by josh <laughs>